It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The eyes of the world, the eyes of the populations of the world are on you and we have your numbers. That lingering sensual please remain and we'll see what comes next. We need to make sure that what sits there on a piece of paper is actually going to turn into tangible, actionable projects on the ground that are going to make a difference to people's lives. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon, I'm Caroline Hepke. Well, France is to impose tougher rules on travel from the UK as it tries to slow the spread of Omicron. The validity of Covid tests will be reduced from 48 hours to 24 hours for people entering the country. And all non-essential tourist and business travel will be banned, ruining many people's Christmas holiday plans. Mm, All of this comes, of course, just a day after Boris Johnson addressed the nation again. No new restrictions, just a key message, get boosted. That's as his top medical advisor, Chris Whitty, said that substantial numbers of people will be hospitalised and that will become apparent soon after Christmas. It really was a stark assessment of the threat posed by Omicron on the day that the UK reported a record number of new infections. It all means the Prime Minister is staring and so are all of we at a rather gloomy, festive period. Yeah, well on that then, let's speak to our first guest today, Paul Sweeney, Labour MSP for Glasgow. Paul, thanks uh, so much for joining us today. Some uh, not very uh, jolly news as we head to, into the last 10 days before Christmas. How worried are you about the latest uh, surge in Omicron cases? Well, I think it is very concerning to see the exponential increase in cases. Uh, I think um, it brings back grim memories of where we were a year ago, uh, and a lot of people thought we had turned the corner, given the, the rate of vaccination. Um, obviously, um, the need to implement the booster programme is, is essential and critical. Uh, and and Labour is certainly fully behind the government in that effort. Um, However, we are pretty concerned about the impact it will have on business, particularly ahead of such a critical period over Christmas. And, you know, particularly sectors like the hospitality industry are going to suffer massively as a result of the kind of halfway house the government have adopted about recommending more restricting behaviour, less social interaction, but not actually stepping up to give business that security financially given they're going to take a significant hit to the trade. So that's a big concern. Okay, yeah, the pressure perhaps mounting on the government in terms of payments and support. The Scottish government, again, diverging from England and from the rest of the UK, recommending mixing with no more than three households in the run-up to Christmas. Would you like that to be legally enforceable? Is that a measure you think that the whole of the UK should be taking? Well, yeah, I think that is the, the, the real issue because it's left business in a grey area where if it's not legally specified, then the qualifications for insurance or loss of income and also you know the necessity of providing state support like we had before with the, the furlough scheme on compensation measures um, isn't really there. Um, so it kind of is the worst for both worlds for a lot of you know sectors where there's critical um, areas of business going on at this time of year. You know, lots of Christmas nights out being cancelled 
um, if you're getting that kind of nudge from the government to do that. And uh, certainly in my case, you know, my office have cancelled their Christmas night out, uh, you know, as a result of the recommendations. So the business that is affected by that isn't going to get compensation. So it's really disappointing. Um, so I think we do need to go to that official measure um, to try and actually make sure that thousands of jobs, mil- millions, potentially billions of pounds of, of revenue over the next couple of months is, is secured. Do you think Nicola Sturgeon's doing a better job of dealing with Omicron than Boris Johnson? Well, I think the governments need to sort of base their policy on the scientific evidence. I think one of the big constraints that Boris Johnson has got is that his own backbenchers now have lost confidence in him. As you saw the other night with the efforts to introduce the vaccine passporting scheme, uh, he was actually relying on Labour Party votes to get that business through the House of Commons. So I think that demonstrates how difficult the government's credibility is put in uh, a UK level, particularly after the debacle we saw at Downing Street with those Christmas parties last year and just that kind of mm. draining of credibility. You know, one of the key attributes of leadership is setting an example, and I think that the current Prime Minister has, has really shot that to pieces as a result of his behaviour. But if you talk about relying on science, the chief medical officer, in fact, seemed you know, e- even you know, more determined to, to have tougher restrictions. Um, Look, what about schools? That's the other major um, issue now. Uh, It's reported some schools are preparing to switch to online learning come January. Do you think that's coming? Uh, Would you support it if it were in Scotland? I think we need to keep all options on the table on that. What I would say is we've had a lot of feedback, um, certainly in my office, from teachers just saying that the current situation is a bit of a farce when you're seeing these recommended restrictions about no more than three households mixing indoors. That doesn't seem to apply for schools. Um, we've seen threadbare efforts to introduce proper ventilation measures, particularly in this time of year when it's quite cold, expecting classrooms to sit with the windows open in freezing cold temperatures. It's just not realistic. So mechanical ventilation hasn't been rolled out effectively in schools in Scotland. Uh, we aren't seeing prudent measures to sort of protect staff working in schools, protect young people, uh, making sure we're rolling out those vaccinations to, to, to young teenagers, uh, 12 to 15-year-olds who have only had one vaccination dose according to the recommendations. So I think we need to really urgently address the double standard being applied to our schools just because the government's not prepared to face up to the consequences of switch back to online learning, which would obviously have a major effect on on the workforce because um, there would have to be major issues with childcare. Mm, lots of parents will be concerned uh, about a uh, move to online learning. We'll have to see how that pans out next month. Paul Sweeney, Labour MSP for Glasgow. Thanks so much for joining us today on Bloomberg Westminster. Okay, so let's think about this a bit more, get some analysis from our EMEA News Director, David Merritt, and our UK Government Reporter, Joe Mays. David, first to you, just a few days into the government's Plan B, is there a sense that already these measures are looking inadequate? Are we being caught out again too little too late? Well, things are moving very fast, aren't they? And of course, the, you know, Chris Whitty was pains to point that out at that press conference last night. This um, wave of infection is moving faster than anyone has seen before. And as you say, just a few days after getting those measures through Parliament, the question is, are they enough? And what we were hearing last night, we had the spectacle, didn't we? The chief medical officer really hinting that more measures are needed and himself saying, look, don't mix with people. You don't have to unless you want to have your Christmas ruined. And then the prime minister standing next to him um, saying, you know, who's really stuck, having not been barely been able to get those those pretty basic measures actually through on Tuesday. Um, not really able to offer those guarantees. And as your guest just said, you know, there is a lockdown. Have you just walked the streets of London? Yes. You know, it is, um, it is ghost town out there again. And you're seeing restaurants have their bookings cancelled. This should have been one of the busiest weekends coming up of the year. Christmas parties, um, office parties, everyone out doing their last minute shopping. 
that's not happening. But the difference between now and last year is there's no furlough scheme in place. There's no support measures for those businesses. And they're having to take that themselves, that economic hit. That's a big problem. You know, the government has spent a fortune propping up jobs and the economy. And they thought they were out of the woods on that. And they were able to start healing the public finances. And now we look like we're getting back to square one. Um, it's a very difficult position for Boris Johnson to be in. Joe, I mean, we've had weeks and weeks of uh, terrible newspaper front pages for the Conservatives. Is there a sense that, that it's easier to be dealing with a, a crisis of, of COVID than it is to be dealing with all the, the political trouble of all those Christmas parties and other, other stuff on the front pages? I think so in a sense because Boris Johnson can say, you know, this is like an act of God essentially that I, I, I can't control and again, he can be kind of crisis mode prime minister, which can be quite a good look and it definitely is it, not, not as bad as self-inflicted disaster of breaking rules yourself through choice uh, through your team in Downing Street. So I, I think probably, but at the same time, it's still pretty grim, right, in terms of you were saying in the summer we're on an kind of irreversible road to freedom. Well, that's clearly looking pretty reversible right now. And uh, he's got a completely rebellious party now, uh, very upset with, indeed, the press conference last night. You've had some Conservative MPs coming out, essentially attacking Chris Whitley and saying, you know, basically this, this unelected medical advisor is making policy for the country. And as Dave was saying, there was a big divide between Whitley and Johnson, Johnson not willing to give that clear message of essentially reduced social contact, whereas Whitley was. So that was really quite striking mm. to see. But in terms of Negative headlines. We've got a big by-election coming up. Well, it's, it's happening today, so that will again potentially uh, affect Johnson from the result of that. So uh, it, the, the negative headlines could really continue. Um, David, are COVID restrictions becoming politicised a little bit like in the US, or is it? true you know we were speaking for example to Anne-Marie Morris Conservative MP yesterday she rebelled she didn't vote in favour of the masks or the Covid passes for England you know she made her case um, it wasn't good for Devon her constituents there is is it politicisation or is it that we're in a different situation because we've got more jabs and we've got the booster rollout? Well, we are in a different situation, aren't we? But, you know, the politics of this are, are, are kind of fascinating. I, you know, we did see this huge rebellion, but you know, part of me wonders whether, you know, these rebels were voting in the knowledge that Labour were going to get these measures through. So they could kind of make their stance, couldn't mm. they, for liberty and the freedom of their constituents um, without any danger of actually nixing the whole plan. So I think putting it in, you know, I think it's important to 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 remember that context. There is this sort of coalition, this sort of national unity coalition forming around these measures. And all throughout all throughout the pandemic, in fact, you know, Labour haven't really been able to oppose the government's measures, have they? They've been really sort of snookered on that, because how can you oppose measures which are really there for public safety? So there is this consensus between Labour now and the government at least that more restrictions may be coming down the pipeline. And of course as long as Labour are behind them it's going to take a much even bigger rebellion that Boris Johnson saw this week to, 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 to not have any of them through. But, you know, just going back to what Joe mentioned about this by-election, it is important politically, this moment that's happening. The vote is coming today. I've just had a, a, a lawmaker has messaged me this morning saying this really is an important moment. Yes. You know, the polls are predicting that, you know, that majority really is going to be slashed. We'll see what happens tonight. But, you know, MPs are sitting and waiting to see what's the real world impact of all of this bad news that Boris Johnson has been accumulating over the past few months. Are there seats, many of them remember, newly won seats from Labour at the last election, are they safe or not under this leader? And if they're not, you're going to expect when they all come back after Christmas, the rumblings over Johnson's leadership to really intensify. Um, Joe, just a, a quick one. How, how um, soon do you think the government will have to uh, move on beyond Plan B? Do you think that's coming down the line? 
I think potentially, I mean, if this data comes through on hospitalizations, I think that's the key metric. If that's shown to be bad, I think you'll then get a kind of real push from the medics to go for stricter measures. Um, and then it'll just come down to whether Johnson has the appetite for it or is he willing to kind of gamble with it and say, no, we're not going to go down that road. So I think, you know, it could yeah. potentially, I mean, if people see January is pretty much almost very likely now for further restrictions, probably not before yes. Christmas, but we'll have to see. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics today. Migrants are still being held in very poor conditions after arriving on the Kent coast, despite Home Office assurances of significant improvements. That's the view of the Chief Inspector of Prisons, who visited migration detention facilities in the last three months, including at Tughaven in Kent. Women who said they'd been raped by smugglers were, quote, not adequately supported, and lone children were being held with unrelated adults. Okay, so that on the migration crisis. Meanwhile, initial research suggests that the majority of people with long COVID have seen little progress in their recovery a year after being discharged from hospital. The most common symptoms, tiredness, muscle pain, poor sleep and breathlessness. A study of more than 2,000 adults shows that those most at risk were overweight people, especially women and those who needed a ventilator in hospital. Well, Londoners may have to pay an extra £20 a month in council tax over the next three years. This comes as talks to secure a bailout of the capital's travel network seem to have ground to a halt. Yesterday, Mayor Sadiq Khan said the government is holding London to ransom by refusing more funding for TfL, which has seen a massive hole in its finances since the pandemic. And a bit more travel news. Heathrow is being allowed to increase charges by more than 50% from January. The cap on the airport's price per passenger next year will be just over £30. It's currently at £19.60. Charges are paid by the airlines, but then they're generally passed on to passengers in higher airfares or in, in separate uh, passenger duties. Well, the press conferences are becoming more frequent and more alarming, along with the spike in Omicron cases. But what does the public make of this now? And how is the government standing after weeks of bad newspaper headlines? Joining us now is Craig Watkins. He's CEO of Kantar Public. Craig, uh, thanks so much for joining us on the programme again. Now, the public have been uh, fairly firmly in favour of tougher measures uh, in, in, over the last uh, year or two. Are they still... 
Yeah, good morning. Um, I think certainly from our from our latest research, um, we see you know strong support for for the new measures announced, um, and we've got seventy five percent of people saying that they they support the measures. I think what's quite interesting in that is that when we then looked at kind of party political lines, is that support is is very strong. Whether you're a Conservative voter in the last election, a Labour voter, Liberal Democrat. So it does kind of um, point that, A, people support the government, but also it might question whether some um, MPs who voted against such measures are actually connected with their constituents and the views of their constituents. Yeah, so they're in favour perhaps of tougher health restrictions. Well, Labour has called for more clarity from the government, better communications. And actually, that's also an issue that has filtered through to voters, that the communications around what people are meant to do is is confusing people. Yeah, we've seen that, um, I mean, it's the highest um, figure since November 2020 of people thinking that the government is not doing particularly well at communicating information about the virus. So 55%, which is an 8 percentage point increase since last month, um, and there's no difference in gender. Um, And interestingly, it's the younger generations that are most critical of the the government's performance. Um, So definitely, um, you know, people not being sure as to the clarity of the message. Do you have a breakdown on uh, which measures uh, have have public backing most? Uh, I mean, the, the, obviously, the, the COVID pass was, was particularly controversial in Parliament with lots of Conservative MPs being against that. Do you have research on uh, on the COVID passes and on perhaps tougher measures like uh, like lockdowns? So we do. We didn't ask those those questions, but certainly that's something that you know we 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 can look at in the future. What is kind of remains quite stark is that. Um, 50% of the population that, that, that we surveyed think that vaccines should be mandatory. And, and that remains quite strong throughout. So there is a, you know, quite a, um, a, a sizable half of the population who are telling us that, well, vaccines should be mandatory. Unsurprisingly, we see that more in older age groups than younger, but it's still a lot of people who think that that measure should be taken. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Partygate, how do voters feel about 2020 lockdown breaking parties at Downing Street and CCHQ? Has that also affected, you know, how they how they feel and see these rules, the kind of idea of, you know, one rule for them, one rule for us? I think that, yeah, absolutely, we, we are seeing that come through. And we must remember this comes on the back of of the Owen, Owen Patterson affair, which we, we, we asked people about last month and people very kind of sceptical about motivations of, of MPs. Um, here, we've, we've asked a kind of similar question about, do you trust, you know, ministers, MPs, the prime minister, civil servants to follow the rules? And the overwhelming kind of response on that is two-thirds of people saying no, that they don't. Um, it's a bit higher for if you're an elected uh, politician, um, but still six in ten people saying that they don't trust civil servants to follow the rules either in mm. terms of the latest regulations. So very clear that people, there is a trust issue um, that isn't just about the Owen Patterson affair. It's also obviously coming through in terms of the, the I suppose, the, the revelations we've had recently. Talking of trust, um, lots of headline figures in the in the media about trust in the prime minister dropping. What about um, other officials uh, and, and other government ministers? Are trust levels lower yeah, than they were? 
similarly, um, we have for, for both prime minister, for, for ministers, for, for MPs generally, around seven in ten people saying that they do not trust them very much or at all to follow the new COVID restrictions. So it's fairly um, blanket. We don't see any difference by, by gender. Um, and there is a kind of a slight change in terms of the younger you are, the, le- the more likely you are to trust, but it's still significantly majority of who do not trust. Yeah, that, that does seem to be really quite a significant shift, doesn't it, in terms of what we've seen during the pandemic, this sort of disillusionment by voters is, is very evident, at least in your, in your figures. Look, there was another, there have been other big policy issues as well, though. It's not just the pandemic. Um, migration, and we had a story there about the, the Chief Inspectorate of, um, of Prisons doing some investigations into how immigrants are treated when they do arrive in the UK. Uh, the other big policy has been tough on immigration, that line from Preeti to Patel. You've also asked that question, does the public agree with that tough on migration stance? Certainly, that seems to be what comes out of the figures. Um, When we ask, should the government make it harder for anyone arriving illegally by boat, over half of of people, 54%, say, yes, they should. And it's fairly balanced between men and women, um, older people being being tougher, if that's the word to use. Um, And when we've asked around, should there be more um, legal routes to claim asylum, um, we have one in three people agreeing, um, but 40% disagreeing. So there is a kind of a, uh, a, a I think, a, a, a view that um, we should be tough on people who are trying to enter the country. Interestingly, seven out of ten people saying, though, that the UK and the French government should be cooperating more in order to respond to the situation. Um, so I think some kind of definite, definite views there coming through. And Craig, what else have you found in your research? This is out today, isn't it? Some interesting uh, findings on crime and on and on the cost of living. Yeah, I think it's um, you know a, a, a week or so ago was the government's kind of crime week in terms of announcing policies on crime, and I think we can see how you know some of that will have been lost in the, the noise of what's else going on. Um, but also a fairly critical view of how well the government are doing at tackling crime. So. Six in ten people saying um, that they're not doing very well at all. They're doing very or, or fairly poorly, um, and over half of people saying they don't know which political party to trust on crime. Um, and we particularly see that um, amongst women, nearly seventy percent. So there is a there is obviously a big job to do, whether you're in government or in an opposition party, actually to convince people that. Um, that, that, that you are the, the, the best people to, to kind of tackle crime. Um, not a lot of trust in, in mm. people being able to do it. Yeah, so some really quite big worries for people and household budgets. I mean, just this week we had the inflation figure out. There was eye popping running at you know more than 5% in November. How concerned are people about their incomes? That's you know also part of this thread of you know a very, very difficult winter. Yeah, I think it's, and it's continuing the trend that we've seen over the past few months. Um, and this, this research was done prior to the inflation figures coming out. So mm. that may well have changed views again. Um, you know, four in 10 people finding it harder to meet their monthly budget um, than they did a year ago. Um, you know, we go back to the um, 
you know, over 60% of people concerned about not being able to keep the house warm. Um, there's, there's a lot of concern around um, what people see, particularly in energy and food. Um, interestingly, men reporting more that it's the cost of energy, women reporting more that it's the cost of food. But, you know, four in 10 people saying their income has fallen and they're worried about the future. And I think that the, that the figures we've seen this week will only serve to, to kind of underline that. And Craig, just very briefly, what are the headline voting figures? Uh, so uh, Conservatives behind um, Labour, 34%, Labour 38%. Um, so um, similar pattern to what I think we've seen reported elsewhere. Um, the Conservatives kind of losing um, uh, their lead. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.